Welcome everyone to the B2B Marketing Perspectives podcast. I'm Steve McDonald, your host. And we have a very surprising conversation that we're going to have today in a very wonderful, wonderful way. And what we have here today is an expert, Christy Garcia. Christy is the CMO of Impact.com. You've also, you're a member of Chief, you're on the Forbes uh, Communication Council. So you've got a lot of expertise in your background, but we're going to talk about influencer and partner marketing in a way that we really haven't been talking about it lately, right? It's It's mm. been in the playbook like we were talking about for, for decades. Decades. Why should we be talking about it now? Why is it raising an importance? And Christy's got some really good insights on that. But maybe, Christy, start us off with just a little bit more about your background and what you're doing, and then we'll kind of dig into things. Sure. Hi. Thank you so much for having me on the show, Steve, too. This is such an honor, uh, and it's been really fun chatting with you. So uh, my name is Christy. I am a B2B marketer. I've been doing B2B tech uh, for almost 20 years now, um, and so I feel like I fully understand the B2B technology ecosystem and landscape at this point in my career. Um, at impact.com, I lead a team of about 60 marketers, uh, exceptional team uh, that has been with us for you know three plus years. Uh, we grew the team from six to 60, and I'm really proud of that. Um, and of course, I'm a huge advocate of impact.com. <laughs> That's quite a bit of growth, six to 60. Yes. Yeah. Globally. I think that could be a podcast in itself, Christy, but... <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. It, it's been, it took, it took a couple of years, but it was very, it seemed like very fast growth uh, for the company in general. Well, that probably underscores the the reason why we're talking about influencer marketing here today. Your growth is an example of the, the opportunity that is available to all of us. Maybe kind of take us back a little bit to, you know, influencer partner marketing 101 and just give us your point of view on it, what, what it is. Mm-hmm. Sure. And I think it's a good, good thing to clarify because partnerships can mean a lot of different things. Um, so when we're talking about partnerships, um, we're referring to referral based partnerships, not transactional partnerships, like a, like a Dell computer could be sold in like a computer specialty store. That would be an example of a transactional partnership. Referral partnerships are what everyone sees every day when they go online. Anytime an influencer is talking about what they just bought and they're showing it off. Anytime you're reading a listicle of the top 10 gifts to buy a new mom. Um, anytime you're uh, looking for discounts and coupons, those are all partners of the brand who you're searching for. Uh, and so partnerships and the reason that this model is super attractive, especially right now, because you did ask the question, why now, right? Partnerships have been around forever. In fact, I'd say it's probably the first marketing channel ever created was recommendations and referrals from word of mouth. So the reason partnerships are so important and interesting right now um, is because every marketer or head of marketing that I know of is trying to do more with less. And when you are looking at your acquisition costs, you're bucketing it into primarily brand and demand. Um, and partnerships can be both. And influencer marketing can be both. Um, but what's great about partnerships and about the influencer marketing that my company does is that you're only paying for the desired outcome. So instead of spending a million dollars on Google this month uh, or Google ads, not knowing the performance you could be spending that only on commissions out to partners who have sold for you or who have sent traffic to your website to fill out a lead form um, or 
basically introduced you at a panel or on a conference. Um, so these are the types of partnerships that we're referring to. And that's one of the reasons they're becoming so increasingly important right now in every marketer's playbook. Uh, it's because of the, the cost structure of it and the fact that the modern consumer has tuned ads out. We know that they are looking for recommendations. They are nine out of 10 consumers are searching and reviews before they buy things, including B2B. Um, so you need to be where they are researching. They are going to their favorite publications. They're talking to their favorite influencers or seeing what their influencers are saying. Um, they are talking to their community, uh, their networks. And so you want to be all of those places where they are looking. Uh, otherwise th there's no chance that they will find your brand and advertising just will not get you there anymore. So it's partnerships all the way. So a couple of things that are interesting out of that is in today's B2B CMO world, we're all focused on revenue, right? Mm -hmm. It's not about, I just generate MQLs and then sales, they take over and, yeah. you know, it's all about deep pipeline penetration and attributing marketing activities directly to revenue and growth of the business. Right. And so what you just said there was that this is a very different model. It's similar in one way, very different in another, very different in that kind of a pay as you go, right? You pay for performance, similar in that we all want to build brands where we are, we are our own experts and influencers, and we try to do that. But it's always important to have others that are validating right. what we do as a business, what we're saying, our point of view, and we get rub off on that. Our brand and their expertise get shared onto ours. And that's very similar to what you're talking about right here, right? That's right. And it's a it's a win-win when one party wins, the other party wins. And so you can really multiply uh, the value uh, that your company brings by partnering with other, other companies or with some of these you know, influencers in the B2B world. Well, maybe give us some examples because sure. we can all understand that, you know, if I'm selling purses and Kim Kardashian is photographed with my purse, that's going to be pretty, pretty beneficial to my company. Sure. Right. But if you could give us maybe kind of a more of a, of a core B2B, you know, client that you have in maybe a kind of a case study or so on what they did with mm -hmm. the influencer partner marketing. Sure. Um, so a good example of that would be HubSpot. Um, everyone knows who HubSpot is. They are definitely the leader uh, in inbound marketing. Um, but they were looking to us to grow their paid subscriber base. So they joined as a customer and they went into our marketplace and they were able to see all different types of partners that would be relevant for them. We also have an AI component that gives recommendations based on who they are, what we think their partner mix would look like and, and who those recommended partners are. Uh, but HubSpot already knew, they already had an idea in their mind. They knew that they needed to reach their influencers. And so those, those people were the SaaS reviewers who provide like in-depth reviews of business solutions. So you find a lot of that on YouTube and LinkedIn, just content creators in general who share business knowledge through blogs, videos, podcasts. Um, so Steve, you would be one of their partners, I think. Uh, digital, digital educators. So these are people who provide online courses or other informative material for business professionals. And then they were looking for other businesses that would potentially have a product integration with their business. Um, so they found these partners and as a result of this, so these partners started driving traffic to HubSpot's, uh, whatever the call to action was, which was 
paid subscribers. So uh, they got a 50% lift uh, just from working with these types of partners in their affiliate. Five zero, did you just say? Five zero. And what we see on average is companies that work uh, on our platform that have a mature partnership program, they're seeing up to 28% of their revenue, company revenue, not marketing sourced revenue, com- total company revenue coming from this channel, which is more than paid search. It's more than display and paid search together. Um, this is the, the best performing channel for those businesses. And you actually did a study with Forrester, right? That's right. That's right. And what were the what were the results of that study? It was it was the twenty eight percent, and and companies were growing. It's a growing channel. It was growing fifty percent year over year for a lot of companies. Um, the good thing about working in partnerships that we haven't talked about is that you can find partners at all different stages of the funnel. So it can be a full funnel strategy. It's not just bottom of funnel. Okay coupon or discount. Um, it introduces new partnerships, introduce new products. Um, they, they, they take the you know audience from awareness all the way down to conversion in a lot of cases. So you want different types of partners who can reach different parts of the funnel. And you do that through trial and error and working with a platform who has done it several times. So around a quarter of your revenue, right? Could be coming from these kinds of partner relationships. That's right. Where there's very low risk. Tell me a little bit as a CMO, how does that affect the relationship with your CFO? Oh, they they love it. So this will make you best friends with your CFO. Um, you can tell him, oh, you don't have to worry. I know for a fact I will provide a return on investment on this investment because I'm only paying once once an action has been completed. Um, and so those commission rates could be anything from a percent of the the product cost, or it could be a flat rate of 10%, 20%, or maybe you're looking for partners that can send in new customers only. And, and so you're paying them only on new customers, not returning customers. So there's a lot of different ways to structure it to meet your business objectives. So I'd love to have one more example if you had it. HubSpot one was great. Yeah. Um, but give us a little bit more flavor. Maybe do you have another B2B example maybe that you could kind of pull out to give us a little bit more of a, a granular look of like in application, what does this look like? Sure. Yeah. Um, a, another company that comes to mind is Zenefits. Uh, so Zenefits uh, is HR and payroll software. Um, so the biz dev team at Zenefits was taking a super good approach on how to reach out to partners. So we kind of consider it to be its own channels, the same way that you have a dedicated team around uh, sales and marketing. Um, our recommendation is to have this team around um, partnerships, which they did. Um, so they were reaching out and building strong relationships with other businesses. Um, people like, like I talked about consultants though, agencies, publishers. Um, so because of those types of relationships that they were able to find and sort of nurture on our platform, their lead volume grew 96%. Um, So people are using this channel to drive leads um, or not just actions in some cases. And how does this compare? Like when you've done, I don't know if there's an example there or not, but like comparisons ROI to say like paid search or things like that. Is there, do you have any numbers on that or? Yeah, so well for Zenefits, it was their return on ad spend was three times higher than what they typically spend on paid search. 
So uh, that was one example, but yeah, paid search is roughly between, I think usually 10 or 15% of the total. Um, and it's a two to one return on ad spend on average. Uh, so it's not hard for, for partnerships to, to beat those numbers, uh, especially when you're working with a different, a big set of diverse partnerships. So I can understand your clients, they're, they're coming to you and they're, they're, they're loving the, the lead gen, the, the, the revenue benefits of this. But you and I were talking before, and we're both like really big believers in, you know, brand and equity in the brand and expertise sure. and, you know, being that leader in the marketplace, taking on that, that trusted advisory role. Right. What do you hear from your clients or from the studies that you've done in terms of, because you can think very, very much bottom line impact, but you you mentioned before, though, this, this can hit all all levels of the buyer's journey, right? That's right? Tell us a little bit more about that. Sure. So um, I'll, I think influencers are great examples. I think you, you mentioned it when people think of influencers, they think of top of funnel awareness, right? Like I'm learning about a new fashion brand or I'm buying a new blow dryer because there's been this review on the best blow dryers, right? To the influencer example, people typically work with influencers and they don't expect sales. Uh, and influencers in a lot of cases don't want to be salespeople. They, they, they want to be introducing products and content to their audience, not selling it, which I respect. That's how they built their audience. And so they have to be very careful uh, walking that line. But a lot of creators are using links to say, here, check out these software products that I just reviewed in my bio or um, click here to, to buy what I'm showing you. Um, so those are how... It, partnerships can become very bottom of funnel. Uh, and it could be a direct line, a direct path to acquisition. And that's how the majority of our clients are using our business. Yeah, it's intriguing because not all marketing tactics play so well across the funnel, right? Real bottom line impact while you're also impacting your, your brand awareness, you're being introduced, you're getting rub off effect from the expertise and the influence right. of the partners that you're with. And you can... It sounds like you've got a, a very, very robust community, right? Where HubSpot can go in there and say, this is very, very specifically who I want. Right. And sometimes these people have uh, their community, the influencers can be very, very niche, right? Mm -hmm. And that and that that can be a very big benefit. That's right. But now I want to kind of take it and and pull it out just a little bit. Yeah. Uh, because influencers and partners, they're they're known for their content, right? Mm -hmm. Their, their right. connection, the relationship with their communities. As a B2B CMO yourself, what is your perspective on content overall? And I'm going to start it out with having you actually give me a rating, right? So I'm, like when you think about impact.com and you're a B2B company, in terms of the overall importance of content to the, the growth and the success of the company, if you had to rate that on a scale of one to 10, one, it's not important at all. 10, it's, it's vital. How would you rate it in, and why? I would rate it in 11, <laughs> um, okay. 10. It, it, it's, it's so critical to everything we do. Um, our content team, we have a machine, uh, but it's not just pumping out sales content. It's real thought leadership, helpful content. And so every demand gen campaign that we run is circled around a piece of content. Um, we've found that most people are just interested in learning 
about partnerships. They're not in market. And that's great because we want to educate people about the channel. That's why we're here. Um, it doesn't have to be necessarily with us, but but this is a channel that CMOs can lean into. Um, content is critical in partnerships. There's so many partners that just, just want UGC, user-generated content, and they use the, the generated content as their own, right? So they don't have a content team, let's say. Uh, they can take this content and, and sort of promote it as their own. And so that's another benefit of partnerships, but just speaks to the importance of content. Um, there's so many businesses out there that are, that are lacking a strong content marketing engine, and um, it, you have to start somewhere and build it up over time, but uh, content cannot be more critical to our business and to my marketing team. So give me some kind of an understanding if you could on, you know, if content is that important, like what percentage of your team is dedicated to content or how much content are you producing on a regular basis? You know, mm -hmm. that's kind of when you put your own money behind, you know, the, you know, your, you know, what the word that you're saying, yeah. give us an idea in terms of, you know, in, in actuality and application, Sure. How much are you resources are you putting towards and and creating in terms of content? Yeah, we have a, a team of ten people and an outsourced network of over twenty. Um, so we have a lot of writers. Uh, everyone on the team is a writer. Also, we have a writer specifically for performance. We have writers for uh, research reports. Uh, writers and content uh, is critical. We put our money where our mouth is. In fact, just last quarter, the team pushed out 80 pieces of content. Uh, that could be an infographic or an ebook or a blog post that's, you know, a thousand words long. Um, but that's the amount of content that we're pushing out. And I think that's helped us uh, introduce our brand to new audiences because we're trying to put out content that is helpful and educational primarily instead of, uh, you know, contact us right now, which, which the modern consumer does not want. No. And, you know, to your point, most of the people aren't in the market right now. They just want to learn. It's usually around 97% of the market. Your TAM isn't, they're, they're not in the market to buy at the moment. Right. But they're open to be helped. They're open to learn, to, to be educated so that they're not missing out. We all know that the moment that we stop learning is the moment that we're going to be behind in our careers, right? That, that you know, we're going to be in trouble, right? So, you know, that's one of the biggest things that and all the studies have, have said is that, you know, you need to be as a B2B company, you need to be that trusted advisor that, that B2B buyers don't want to be sold to. They want to be educated. They want to be advised. Mm -hmm. And that gets you in earlier in the conversation. If you're only talking about that bottom of the of the funnel, by the time they do their research, they figured out their consideration set and who it's they're true. going to talk to. It's right. Yeah. So I wanted your opinion on this. I've I've said because of that in the B2B world, upwards of 60, 70% of the research happens actually before they do want to talk to somebody in. It's so in my mind, that means marketing is actually taking on a much greater role in the sales process than we ever have before. Yes. Yeah. What do you think about that? What's your opinion on that? It's uh, we see research that says nine out of ten consumers, including consumers buying B two B products, um, are doing research before they buy them, and they're not just going to one site; they're going to four or five different sites to learn. They're they're going to YouTube, like I said, to see it in action. 
they're going to their favorite software review site to see what people have said about it, or, you know, G2 crowd, let's say, to see what the reviews are. Um, but they're not wanting a salesperson. They know what a salesperson is going to say, right? Um, right. Just like they would know what marketing is going to say, uh, but they want to make their own decisions. And that's why I think right now we're working in, in a very hard space with the most informed consumers of all time. Uh, any information you need, you can find it in any place that you want. Um, and, and so I think that it's very important to be where they're looking and part of the information, like you said, because you're, you don't want to be uh, at the bottom of the funnel when they're making their decisions. You want to be throughout the funnel and, and showing them and teaching them how to use partnerships, for example. So you have such an interesting introspective into the world of B2C and B2B. So many of your clients live in the B2C world. You're a B2B marketer. You have huge B2B marketers as clients. And there's this overall trend, right? Gartner talks about it. Everybody's talking about it, is the there needs to be more B2C focus in the B2B world. Yeah. And I think the kind of the the notion behind that is that the B2B buyers are consumers are. of ours, right? And just like any consumer, they want to be entertained, right? They want to be, they, they're, they don't want to spend their entire days reading through white papers, right? And I'm not knocking, knocking white papers because they absolutely have their roles. But what's your point of view? Because you have this unique perspective on there needs to be kind of some more B2C in the B2B world. Yeah, yeah. So I... I love creativity. It's it's I, I studied it actually in graduate school. It, it's what I what I wanted to do is be a creative writer. But being creative in B two B, you can really stand out. Um, so because we target marketers, one of the things we did was we an example of this was we wrote an ebook uh, called Advertising Is Dead. Um, then we created a, mi a micro site, uh, and we told people uh, find out who killed advertising, and it had all the culprits, right? Like like blaming Gen Z, or maybe it was all of the spam or, you know, all these different reasons. Um, but in order to get them to the site, we sent them something in the mail. And, and so all of these things are tactics that you wouldn't typically expect a B2B company to do or, or to come out to say something so controversial, like advertising is dead. Um, but it's our best performing campaign to date because it was enough to raise a couple eyebrows of the marketers and the way that we were marketing to them throughout the campaign uh, was more of a B2C style with, with more B2C almost design to a certain extent too. I mean, you, you sort of get used to seeing the typical like B2B design uh, and, and sort of like it's flat. Uh, so we've tried to inject a lot of color and different gradients and um, we, we love creativity and, and we see creative partnerships taking place all the time on the platform. So it's challenges us to, to be even more creative. Um, but that, that's an example of, of using some channels and, and some different tactics in your B2B marketing handbook um, to, to try to just shake things up and see how it goes. And, and I don't know if this qualifies as as creative as you just were there because that's that's pretty stunning but i like this kind of dialogue right i i like it when we get to create content that our buyers get to listen into and a dialogue and different perspectives and interesting people that are talking right you know that's that's a form of creativity 
Yes. And, and I think the idea that we have to actually be more creative in how we are garnering the interest of our buyers and their limited attention, we've lost some side of that in the world of B2B. So thank you for bringing that back a little bit. Um, my last question I have for you, though, is um, you had mentioned a type of content right? That, that those 80 pieces of content that you're creating and everything, you call the thought leadership. Mm-hmm. What, why are you calling it thought leadership and why are you creating so much thought leadership content versus more, you know, what we would call, you know, product marketing, feature benefit, you know, what's, what's your perspective on that? It's a good question. We're in a unique situation because not everyone knows what partnerships are. And like I said, at the very beginning, they're defined very differently based on based on where you come from and what business you're in or what vertical you're in. Um, And so because we have to introduce the category and we do consider it a category of of partnerships, there needs to be a lot of thought leadership and education. If we were just telling people like sign up now or, you know, talk to sales now and, you know, they, that wouldn't be relevant because they don't understand partnerships or even what we mean by them. So we we actually felt like we needed to plant the seed and sort of create this educational thought leadership. Um, we launched a free academy uh, called PXA so people can take free courses, no matter who they are. Uh, even people who work with different companies, they, it's, it's an industry level certification and academy because we know how important it is for people to understand the value. Um, and when you are trying to demonstrate the value, you are not doing it via ads. You are doing it via thought leadership. Um, and so those are the things that that we we leverage. I will say um, we ran a creator campaign recently, uh, and we are starting to use some of that user-generated content uh, ourselves this quarter. We, we haven't used it in the past, but we're really looking forward to starting to leverage the content that's been created, which explains what we do in at, you know, a very educational, non-salesy way. I think there's so many lessons in there for all of us, right? Because the majority of the the B2B world CMOs do not represent household names, right? We're challenger brands, right? We're trying to carve out who we are, what our expertise is, right? On top of what we end up, what we do. But there's a, a quote that I got from Forbes, and you're on the, the, the council there, that I love, which is, Content marketing solves problems. Thought leadership sparks conversations. In a world where so much research is being done before they decide who they even want to, I want to spark conversations earlier in their process. And I'm not going to do that by talking about my babies, my products, right? There's a time, there's a place for that. I'm going to do it because I'm doing what you're talking about. I'm educating them. Um, So I think that's very profound for all of us to take away here. And I want to ask the last question, which is that we've talked about a lot, right? And, but if there was one thing that you wanted us to take away, you know, the most important thing out of this conversation that we should be remembering, what would that be? And I'm passionate on this point. Um, Your sales and marketing will not get you there by itself. You need a third channel. You need partnerships now because consumers have changed. Time has changed. Technology has changed. Attention span has changed. Um, this is this is something I, I need everyone to understand. Like every CMO out there should be leaning into this channel um, because it's an extension of your team. 
It's cost effective. Like we talked about how the CFO is going to love it. Uh, it's a way to drive brand awareness as well as conversions. Um, so I think that's a very important point that I, I want everyone to understand. It's it's not a nice to have. Uh, it's it's critical to growth. And, and it's one of the direct most direct links to bottom line growth <laughs> at the same yeah, time. That's right. Well, uh, Christy, if if somebody wanted to get a hold of you and they had questions or something like that. Would we like maybe a link to your LinkedIn? Would that be a good place right. to start? Yes, I'm very active on LinkedIn. So I, that would be great. Well, fantastic. Well, thank you for coming and sharing and expanding our minds on what's been in the playbook for decades, <laughs> right? And, and new ways to think about it and why should we should be thinking about it. I really appreciate your help. Thanks, Steve. And uh, one marketer to another, I, I really appreciated the time and, and uh, you having me on your show. Thank you. <laughs>